Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more, talk sports, uh, yes we do, talk sports, uh, it's for you, Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray, Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a Friday, a good Friday in the sports world. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. We got tons to talk about. It is finally here, the NBA playoffs. The season has ended 2017 Ray and Tay will give you our postseason awards, which all the votes had to be in by today, and won't be announced until June 26th by the NBA. I think that's a little crazy, but who are we to debate with Adam Silver in the league, Ray? You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, come on. So, and, uh, and we've got the first round predictions. Ray, to start it off, first, a lot of rest in peace and some breaking news. First, I'm down with the K-9 posse for life. And also, I got to say, rest in peace to Charlie Murphy. That, that one, you know, comic guy, funny rapper, Eddie Murphy's brother, obviously legendary with the Dave Chappelle show and the true Hollywood story, some of the best comedy sketches ever. But um, last night was emotional. I know you probably heard, rest in peace to Dan Rooney. Give me some thoughts. I'm a Steeler fan, but as a non-Steeler fan and as an NFL fan, Give me some thoughts of, of how you see him and obviously the Rooney Rule, the ambassador to Ireland, and just, just the, the great man that he was. Some thoughts on losing, the NFL losing and the Steelers losing, Mr. Dan Rooney. So there are owners and then there are owners. So there's 32 owners in the NFL, so that's automatically an elite group. But even within those 32 there are owners. So he seems like an owner's owner, if that makes any sense. He's a guy that the Rooney family and football and the Steelers and synonymous. I mean, just look at the Steelers organization. They have three head coaches in the last 50 years. It's because they had stability at the top. They had leadership and ownership that was, not going anywhere. They weren't moving out of Pittsburgh. They weren't changing. They weren't doing anything dramatic. They have a philosophy, and they let the football people run the organization. So, you know, the Rooney rule, while it has its issues, you know, sometimes we don't like that people are getting interviewed just for the sake of being interviewed, you know, to put a check in a checkbox. But the idea is that, hey, there's misrepresentation here, underrepresentation of especially, you know, black African-American coaches especially given the fact that they are uh, you know much more represented as players than they are in management you know so so people say well why don't we address that okay well the Rooney family stepped up and said you know what we will address it not only that but they said we're going to put our money where our mouth is and we're going to go hire the best guy that we've that we found 30 what a 34 year old uh, 
defensive special coordinator for one year, special teams yeah. coach, and they defensive have Russ backs coach. And Wisenhunt right in there waiting to be the next one of, you know, either one of them the next coach. And then the two of them moved on to Arizona. Yeah. And got a job. Yeah. And, and didn't really didn't really have too much success as head coaches, right? So uh, so it looks yeah. like they made the right choice, no matter what the the, the skin color was, and no matter who you know who, who the who the person was, it looked like they chose the right guy. Um, so yeah, so I, again, owner's owner, right? That that's the one thing that comes to mind. It really represents the NFL, represents what the NFL should be, represents what running an organization of this caliber should be, and so. You know, rest in peace to the Rooney family. Leaves a legacy, though. So good for him. Everybody will think of him. And, and that whole ambassador to Ireland, that kind of puts the icing on the cake. You know, you put him in the context of sports, but this is beyond that. So his one legacy of the greatest really lives stories. on. No, you're right. And one of the greatest stories I heard in the last 24 hours, um, Ike Taylor said that the players had to – in OTAs and I guess in general buy their food for $6, which is nothing right for millionaires. But some of the guys were like, Oh, complaining. And then you see Dan Rooney, the owner of the team, he's paying $6 for his food too. And Ed Bouchette, the longtime journalist for the Steelers, you know, for the Gazette said, and uh, Dan Rooney, even to while he was sick to the last year, this season, would wait online behind the secretaries and everyone else. Didn't have someone get his food. Didn't have someone get his lunch. He waited online. Didn't cut. And that just says so much about the man as a human being. So just rest in peace. And, you know, as a Steeler fan, my heart's been heavy. NFL Network replayed all of our six Super Bowl victories last night. And I'm watching, you know. So, But real quick, other news. Mike Silver just reported it's official. Marshawn Lynch is a Raider. Don't know the particulars if it's a one or two year deal, but they worked it out with Seattle. He's a Raider. That to me is fascinating, especially that frees them up Ray, to go into the draft and say, I will get a cornerback or a safety or defense what they need. So that's, that's a big move for them Two, I don't know if you just saw this, Aaron Hernandez, the double I murder. I saw that. Yeah, he's not guilty of the double murder, but, you know, he's still got to face the whole thing with Odin Lloyd. That's a whole different thing. That he's going to be guilty of, but that's a double murder. So that's fascinating. And then Phil Jackson decided, Ray, to come out, not talk to the media, but release a statement or say that basically he can't win with Melo. They've tried, and it's time for Melo to go. So everyone's like, are you team Melo or are you team Phil? And as we segue into, you know, the NBA talk, and obviously tomorrow is the 70th, 70th anniversary of Jackie Robinson, so the whole league will be wearing the jerseys. Baseball is at an all-time low, 6.7% African-American players, and hopefully that can be fixed and changed, and we'll see how that goes. But right now, Team Mellow, Team Phil, who just got a two-year option, or are you like the Green Bay Packer fans? You just want Nick fans to chip in buy the team from Dolan, fire Phil, and just hopefully fix the organization. <laughs> Look, all of the above. So <laughs> I agree that the team can't win with Carmelo. So I, I don't disagree with Phil. I disagree with his tactics. I don't disagree with what he's saying. Um, Phil's got to go. So I think Phil's got to go. I think Carmelo's got to go. 
And it would be great if Dolan would go. Now, Dolan owns a team. But KP is not the guy that we necessarily think he is yet. So why can't we get someone else in here and not re-sign Derrick Rose and have Melo be our second best player? Because right now, KP is not ready to be our first best player. Let's be honest. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Carmelo handing over the torch to Chris Stapps. But I do believe that if Carmelo wants to win a championship, it's not going to happen in New York. And if New York wants to win a championship, it won't happen with Carmelo. Certainly not in the next three years. So I think it's in both parties' best interest to part ways. Not only will, will both teams not win, but both sides will get frustrated so I think it's about starting fresh. And you're right, Chris Porzingis is not a Carl Anthony Towns build a franchise around him. He's a very, well, how do I say it? He's got a lot of potential, but I don't think even at his max, he's a franchise player. I don't think he carries anybody. He's not carrying anybody. He's not Dirk Nowitzki. He's not carrying you to a championship. He could be a very nice number two. But I don't think he's the number one if you want to win a championship. If Chris Asperzing is your best player, not sure you're winning a championship. So His ceiling is definitely, I wouldn't say his ceiling is the roof, <laughs> but I would say he's, his ceiling is a taller version of Detlef Schrempf. And Detlef was really wow. good. I had to take you there, Ray. wasn't winning you championships, though. No, exactly. He wasn't. And that's okay. But that left was really, really good. So let's talk about this season. I think it's gotten a lot of criticism. The media hypes up the resting and da-da-da-da-da. And how do they fix it? And this epidemic. And last year was the hack of DeAndre Jordan and this and that. I think, you know, maybe we need to stop and, 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 and appreciate what we saw from seven guys that could potentially, you know, get a lot of all, you know, MVP votes. You know, everybody says Russell and Harden, but we know that Kawhi Leonard was amazing. Isaiah Thomas was third in scoring. Anthony Davis had a great year. DeMar DeRozan was fifth in scoring. LeBron again. Um, You know, Durant before he got hurt. Curry, 31 points a game the last, uh, 13 games when the Warriors went on a tear. I mean, the ton of guys, including the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo, had amazing seasons. And for Russell Westbrook to break Oscar's record that hasn't happened in 57 years or whatever, it is mind-boggling. So I, I don't think that we need to poo-poo the regular season just because we all feel that the Warriors and Cavs are going to face each other in the finals. Maybe there'll be some upsets along the way. But, I mean, don't you agree? This has been a pretty darn good NBA season, much better than we probably thought we'd get. Wouldn't you agree? A hundred percent. And the individual performances were so compelling and outstanding. I've got to say, the six or seven guys that you named in any other year, would be quite capable and you'd be proud of an NBA that had that guy as their MVP, right? LeBron could win it every year. Steph's the two-time defending champ. Giannis had an unbelievable year. Forget about Harden and Westbrook because one of them is going to win it. But 
great uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? MVP, second best record in the league, you know, maybe best two-way player in the league. Unbelievable, you know, hovering around the the 40-90 rule, you know, shooting percentages. Just an unbelievable, outstanding individual performance year from the top six or seven guys. So kudos to the NBA, young stars, got to figure out how to market them a little better. Right, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know these guys need to be household names, just like well, Harden and they need to start to Westbrook. market the, the John Walls and the DeRozans as well. John Wall was second in assists. The Wizards had a much better season than most people thought after a rough start. I mean, you look at Hassan Whiteside in the Heat. If Brooklyn maybe gets the guys on the plane and and beats the Bulls again, maybe uh, Spostra and the Heat make the playoffs, led by Hassan Whiteside who, you know, got the rebounding uh, uh, title for the season 14.1. So it's amazing. Let, let's, let's get into our awards, keep the show, you know, moving along, Ray. Let's start off because we agree on some things. We often do. You know, I mean, listen, when, when, when you've known each other and basically been doing a sports show for over 30 years because we had our own show even when we didn't have a show, you know, you think alike, but you also have different – you know, thoughts about players and this and that. So I'll say this to say my most improved player, I think we're both in the same place, without a doubt, is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And he's the one of, I think, five or six players in history to lead his team in points, assists, steals, blocks, and rebounds. That is incredible. And that season itself is ridiculous. Like you said, it, you know, that's, that's a MVP-type season in itself. And I do believe the Bucks, and we'll talk about it later, uh, led by him, you know, can, can scare the Raptors a little bit, maybe get a game or two. But kudos to Giannis, uh, who's your most, most improved poet on the MIC. Anytime you can go from a decent young player to an MVP candidate, that's the most improved player season so Giannis Antetokounmpo there's nothing more you can say this guy is unbelievable I'm looking forward to see what he does in the playoffs and what he does next Uh, year but yeah that's my guy the Greek freak and Devin Booker let's let's give props to Devin Booker because I think he stepped it up another level we saw the improvement Um, we we knew that he was going to get better but I think Devin Booker is I think he's ready to be the all-star and the pillar in Phoenix, um, as we saw, you know, in, in you know, 70-point game and, and other games he had this season, uh, stepping up huge for the Suns. So, you know, that, that future is right. Six-man, Ray, Eric Gordon from the Rockets. Um, look, I love Andre Iguodala. You know, there's some other guys around the league, you know, Jamal Crawford every year. But I think Eric Gordon, what he did – and just the Rocket franchise itself, I uh, would say, uh, we're not picking it, but I would say that uh, the executive or GM of the year would have to be Daryl Morey for me because, uh, you know, adding Lou Williams and getting uh, Gordon and Ryan Anderson and, and believing that Clint Capella could step up and, and adding Nene um, built a pretty good Rocket team, third best record. So Eric Gordon, uh, who has great three-point range, and remember he used to be a beast for the Clippers when he first started, and then for New Orleans is now um, he, he's going to be a threat for the Rockets in the playoffs. So he's my sixth man as well. 
Yeah, I agreed. This one is pretty easy. He's the, what, 17 and a half a game coming off the bench. Great scorer. He always had that potential to shoot and score, even though he's undersized. Coming out of Indiana as a freshman, he's just, he's your guy. I mean, like you said, Jamal Crawford gets a couple votes. AI gets a couple votes, but this guy runs away with the award. Coach of the year, I have to give it to Mike D'Antoni. I mean, D'Antoni, to me, look, I love Brad Stevens. To me, Eric Sposter might have got it if they got that eight seed. Um, you got to give Popovich love. You know, I think even Ty Lue had a great season with all those injuries. Um, but I just – I didn't see the Rockets being the third seed. I think you had them maybe fourth or fifth. I had them like seven. Uh, this this was impressive, Ray, and I think his system works perfectly with the players and just it seems as if, like we talk in football, right, like when the GM and the coach get together and they design it right and this and that, it's sort of what you're seeing here, that Moray and D'Antoni and then having Harden, who's a bigger, stronger Nash and can actually penetrate and, and, and score penetrating and get to the free throw line better than Nash. It's sort of the perfect design. And I think the Rockets, this franchise can only get better in the next year or so because they'll even be able to add better pieces to what they already have to further assist the roster. So uh, kudos See, to Antonio. Great, great season. My guy, you mentioned him as Brad Stevens. So ah. everything you said is 100% right. But, I guess it's not a but. I'm just adding some color here. Mike D'Antoni has an MVP candidate. Brad Stevens has a five foot seven and a half inch point guard who leads the league in fourth quarter scoring, is third yep. in the league in scoring, and has a roster that I hate. <laughs> and yet, he stood up to the beast, pounded his chest, and was able to take the number one. If I told you before the season, what would be more outrageous? Houston coming in third in the West or Boston coming in first in the East? No, you're you're right. I mean, that's a great, it's a, it's a great coaching job. And they had some injuries during the season. Guys were in and out of the lineup from Marcus Smart to Hawford to Bradley to, you know what I mean? So, Kudos and Isaiah Thomas, the way he stepped up his game, he might come in fifth in MVP voting, maybe sixth, but he's going to get some votes too because Isaiah Thomas had one heck of a season, one heck of a season. Absolutely. Rookie of the year, this one was hard because philosophically you're like, is 31 games enough for Joel Embiid to win the rookie of the year? And I just, I know a lot of people are going to vote for him. He might not win it. For me, I just couldn't do it. And I love his teammate, uh, Sarek, and he had over, I think, 103 pointers. But Malcolm Brogdon, to me, from Milwaukee, um, playing the point, playing some two, handling things with Giannis, doing what Jason Kidd wanted, hitting threes, playing defense, also, you know, kind of taking over for um, uh, Della Vadova. I think you're seeing a perfect – he's like a perfect fit player. He'll never be a star, but he is going to be somebody that will be a building block uh, for this Bucks team that, you know, probably needs one more star 
to get with Giannis, for them to really bang with guys. Because, look, Parker's got to stay healthy, but you do like Brogdon and, and, and maybe Thon Maker becomes something. You, you love Chris Middleton, who, since he's been back, they've been like, what, I think 13-6, uh, and six, the, the stretch run for the Bucks. So Malcolm Brogdon's my rookie of the year. So no rookie of the year has ever come off the bench. We'll see if Malcolm Brogdon is the first. Look, Joel Embiid's the best player by far of all of these yeah. guys, right? We would all give him the record. Even if, he, even if he played 51 games or more than half, I mean. No, I agree with 31. you 100%. You got to play half the games. I mean, you can't play yeah. less than half and be, and be the rookie of the year. And not only that, he's not even a real rookie. So he's off the table. I don't, I don't even <laughs> vote for him. I give it to Dario Saric. I think that this guy – Second half of the season came on even stronger and hitting those threes, scoring, coming from overseas. They waited for two years for him, and he finally Trust got here. the process. And I think, <laughs> exactly. I think he was more explosive than Brogdon. I think Brogdon was solid. It's hard not to like this guy. Second-round pick was a star of Virginia. Second-round pick in the NBA. But I just feel like Dario Sark put his imprint on the game a little bit more was a little bit more dominant, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. I like Brogdon's all-around game, but I think Sark's, you know, ups are as highs were higher. So I'll go with Sark as my rookie of the year. Yeah, and, and that's fair because, I mean, gosh, Ray, imagine this team next year with this year's lottery pick and then Ben Simmons. Yikes. I mean, oh, and a, and a healthy Embiid and Sark and – the Sixers well, are... Well, will Beat ever be healthy? we we got to start to question that. I mean, I hope so. I know. I, I, I think so. I think, you know, that's why they shut him down. But I, I got to tell you, that, that team... And remember, I said this a couple of years ago. What did I say? 2018 or 19, the Sixers will win the championship. So I still might be right, you know? So we'll see. But um, so that, that's, that's a good one. Defensive player of the year. Look, second place two years in a row. This year, I think he's got to win it. He's got all the efficiency numbers. I definitely love what Rudy Gobert has done. I would probably put him second, maybe Kawhi third or, you know, Rudy third. But it's Draymond Green. Look, when Durant went out and all season, this guy does the triple doubles. He defends two, three, four, and some fives. He rebounds. He gives the Warriors their toughness. He, he switches, picks and pick and rolls. He boxes out. I mean, he, Draymond Green is, I think we need an official at the end of the year, the most underrated player of the year award. And Draymond would win that as well. So he's my defensive player of the year. Looking forward to his defense in the playoffs against even the Blazers and each round as well. So, it's hard to go against Draymond Green. He's one of those guys like Kawhi Leonard that could win it every year. He's been boxed out by Kawhi twice the last couple of years. But I'm going to go with Rudy Gobert. I'm going to go big. Ah, I'm going to say Rudy. that this guy gave Utah an identity. Golden State, Golden State has always, or I shouldn't say always, since Steve Kerr's been there, has took, taken pride in their defense, and they always have put forth this, tremendous offensive face, but people don't realize underneath the surface, they're a pretty good defensive team, and Draymond Green is, is, is the anchor of that team. But I'm going to say Rudy Gobert stepped it up, decided to play big, decided to really impose his will starting about midway through last season, 
and it's just been uphill for him and for the Jazz. And who would have thought that the Jazz were going to be middle of the, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth seat? Like nobody yeah, would have even imagined that they would have been in that mix. I think I had them six or seven. I, I like the Jazz going into the season. I think I had them like eighth. But, yeah, I mean, wow. he gives that team an identity. So, Gordon Hayward and Rudy Gobert really put Utah on the map, and, and I think he gets my vote for de- for uh, for defensive player of the year. Yeah, he was fourth at 12.8 in rebounds and number one in blocks. I mean, he's had a great season, you know, 2.6 blocks a game. That's impressive. You got to get Rudy love. Um, let's do all NBA first team before we save the best for last and MVP. For me, it's simple. It's Westbrook, Harden, LeBron, and uh, Kawhi. And then the center thing, the all-star game, they don't do centers, but for the all-NBA, they do. So I would say Anthony Davis, but they have him as a power forward. So then when it comes to centers, you're like, okay, is it Carl Anthony Towns, who was more efficient than Cousins, or is it Boogie Cousins, who dominated all season with his stats in terms of points and re, you know points and rebounds, and then you know things were a little different at the end of Sacramento and went to the Pelicans and then he got hurt. I'm, I'm, I would go Cousins because I think Cousins was so exceptional for a while. He was 28 and 12. I think he wound up at like 26 and 12 or something like that. So Demarcus would be my my center. Um, you know, so Davis would have to be on the second team, but that's my first team. Yeah, like you said, uh, Davis is my guy. If he can play center, if not, you got to go with Boogie. Look, that's that that team is great. I, I, there's nothing I can really say. Uh, obviously, I hope they put Westbrook and Harden together because Curry starting in the All Star game was not deserved. He, he's a great player and he's defending two time MVP. But these two, Westbrook and Harden, are having you know historic seasons. Well, the question is, Ray, at guard, who's your second team? Is it Curry and who? Wall, Paul, I mean, like, Isaiah? Is it Curry and Isaiah's second team? I think you have to give it to Isaiah Thomas. His team, he's third in the league in scoring, was the fourth quarter assassin, and his team is number one in the East. I think you're right. So Curry and Wall uh, and Paul uh, all had to deal with injuries. And Isaiah Thomas was there every night. Yeah. So MVP, man, drum roll. It's, look, 33-9 and when he gets his 42 triple-doubles. His team wins 47 games. They're the sixth seed. I understand Harden the third seed, but if you talk about winning, then you got to put Kawhi over Harden because he's a two-way player plays defense. I think guys had amazing seasons. But when we were little boys, I know, I remember I had that big NBA almanac book, and we would look at it and look up the stats, and we'd look at Chamberlain and Russell and Oscar and be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Oscar had a triple-double for a season, and then he almost did a triple-double for six straight seasons? It was just something that we never saw on television. We, didn't, we couldn't fathom it. And then for someone to actually do it in person, real life, while we're alive, you can't and, and that what I love is that when you ask players, because there's some of the media guys are like, oh, oh, harder and efficiency. You ask any player, every player I've heard interviewed in the last two weeks, without a doubt, they say Westbrook. And that tells you all you need to know because that's so difficult. 
I don't care if they box out and maybe he gets two extra rebounds a game. It's still the most impressive thing on the court that I've probably seen in my lifetime. Russell's the MVP. I would go second, Harden. Third, I'd probably give it to, you know, Kawhi, LeBron, fourth, and Isaiah Thomas fifth. Russell, MVP. Congrats. Yeah, I, I was convinced probably a third of the way into the season. But I got to tell you, Harden, this is going to be the second out of three years where he could have won the MVP. I mean, oh, you put this horrible. season up against any other you know season in the last 10 years, and he might win MVP seven or eight times. Uh, but this is Russell Westbrook's year. I mean, those triple doubles, the intensity, getting his team to the playoffs. And he played with – Nobody in particular. I mean, Stephen Adams is is, is decent. Victor Oladipo. Well, yeah, when he's healthy, nobody can finish on that team. Nobody and, can and, shoot. And the, <laughs> nobody can shoot on that team. And the stat of all stats was they actually won when he got triple doubles. They needed his triple doubles. It wasn't yeah. like he was getting those points in garbage time. They needed him to be outrageously good to win. You're totally right, Ray, and that, that says a lot. Um, you know, in, in a nutshell, that sums it all up. It was, it was necessary by, you know, by all means he had to do that. So let's start off in the Eastern Conference. Number one is number eight, Celtics, Bulls. I'll simply say it like this. Rondo, Wade, and Butler. And Butler's underrated. You look at efficiency and stuff, he was, like, ranked third, I think, this season behind Westbrook and Harden. Amazing season. Wade is not going to be healthy enough, but I think these three veterans, they get something going, they are going to give the Celtics a scare of their life. And I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, you know, I'm not going to go crazy, but Celtics win in seven. Four games to three, the Bulls are going to really, really make them sweat. You know what? I am going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say that we have, would it be the fifth time, I think, that an eight seed beats a one seed, and the Bulls, playing with a lot of veterans and a lot of pride, go out and beat the Celtic team, who doesn't have that much playoff experience, certainly not in this configuration. I mean, some of the guys have it from other teams. No, but, you know, they said really, Wade has played more playoff games than the whole Celtics roster. <laughs> wow. Wow. And there you yeah, go. Like 134 and so or 140, something, like, something crazy. And that's what I'm going with. Fourth quarter execution, when the game slows down, you know, when you've got Plus, Isaiah teams, Thomas can't play defense. Who's, who Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas statistically is the worst guard defender in the league. So I'm going to say the game slows down and that fourth quarter assassin is still only five, seven and a half. And they're going to put some long crafty defenders on him in the fourth quarter. And I'm going to say the Celtics lose. The number one seed goes down. That means you need Muratech to shoot. And you really need Bobby Porters to be able to score on Hofford and get, get his points going. Look, it could happen. I just I was questioning not having Gibson. Would they have enough to score inside to stop Hofford and, and Olenek? But it's going to be fun. 
All right, I went on the limb, and then you jumped off the tree. I love it. Uh, four or five, Washington, Atlanta. Uh, this is a toss-up except for the fact that, um, look, the one thing I'll say, I love how much Washington has sort of stepped it up with the slow start. Uh, Beal seems to got it going with Wall, and I think that the guards in Atlanta are not, you know, Hardaway and Schroeder aren't ready. I do think Dwight Howard's going to surprise us and, and, and play really well, him and Millsap. But I think the, the Wizards are going to win this one in six. You know, I want to see this Hawks team do damage in the playoffs. I like some of the per- personalities on that team. I like the way the team's configured, you know. But ultimately, the Wizards really kicked it into gear second half of the season. Wall and Beal, they are the young, you know, stud backcourt that I really want to see how they can do in the playoffs. Because we've seen them in the regular season. They haven't had much success in the playoffs. They've been, when they've made the playoffs, they've, they've been bouncing the first round. So, in my opinion, this is their coming out party. They really need to dominate. Like you said, Schroeder and Hardaway, if Beal and Wall can't get through them, then who are they going to get through in this, you know, in the Eastern Conference? So I like Washington. I think they'll have a pretty easy time. I think they'll win 4-1. Toronto-Milwaukee is hard to read only because, well, Milwaukee would have a much better time at it if they had Parker. They don't really have enough scoring. Uh, Giannis, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to score because it's going to be more half court. And let's be honest, P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka are really good defensive players, and it's changed the whole Raptors team around. Kyle Lowry, I don't know how healthy he's going to be, if he's back yet, if he's ready. You know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think at the end of the day, the Bucks get a game. I would say they could get two, but I just they cannot put the ball in the basket. And that's why they need Jabari and somebody else in the offseason. The Raptors win 4-1. This is a Raptors team that gave Cleveland all they could handle last year. And the only person they really lost was Bismack, Bismack, Bismack. <laughs> um, they look a little bit different, but it's 90% the same. I like this Toronto team. They have a star in DeMar DeRozan. They have a clutch player in Kyle Lowry who has some ups and downs in the playoffs, but I think that helps him. If he's healthy and ready to go, They remember they, had, they didn't have Valanchunas last year, essentially banged up in the playoffs. This team's got a lot to prove. Uh, like you said, Serge Ibaka came in and delivered when it came to you know some bounce, some freshness. Uh, this this team is, is going to give Milwaukee a, a hard time. I think Milwaukee is a team of the future, but just not this year. Again, I agree with you, 4-1. The number two seed, Cleveland Cavaliers, I guess the number seven Pacers. That in itself is, is surprising. Look, I feel bad for Paul George with the whole money and depending on the media for the $70 million bonus or whatever, if he's all NBA team, I don't think he makes all NBA this year not even third team. It could be close, but I doubt it, especially if Davis has to go to the second team because he's a forward. 
So I say all that to say Paul George the last two months has been one of the top three or four best players in the league. He's played amazing basketball. I like Turner. I like Thaddeus Young and this roster and this team. I don't think Jeff Teague has stepped up enough. I do think at home with having Lance Stevenson back and he's playing well, like he remembered that – I guess he left his game in Indiana and now he went back and picked it up. So coming off the bench, he actually is going to help. And let's just be honest, the Cavaliers think they can just turn it on. Well, yeah, LeBron can. The question is, can everybody else? And even if they do, defensively, they still have too many liabilities. So if you want that shooting on the floor with Culver and Love, well, they can't play defense. So Cavs win in six. The Pacers will get two games. One game, they'll get a little lucky and win it, you know, on a buzzer shot, but they'll get two games. Cavs in six. I think the Cavs are going to have a zen-like meeting, Phil Jackson style, and get it together. They may win every series 4-0, 4-1 until they get to the finals. So I don't see this being any different. I would say a sweep, but I'll give Indiana the credit of one game. In the in the field house, so I'll say four one. I'll say poor Paul George, you know, digs up some pride and gets his boys playing. Maybe game four to avoid elimination, but I'll I'll go for the Cavs four one. Warriors Blazers, I love Dame Dash Lillard. He's a rapper. He's a point guard. He's an assassin, just shooting the ball. Um, I'm going to say the Blazers because of uh, Nikolai Jurkic and the way he's been playing since he came from Denver. Uh, they get one game. I think they get one. I think the Warriors win 4-1. Kevin Durant is slowly but surely getting ready. They don't need him in this round. I think they sweep. The Warriors, when they want to, they can play both sides of the court. And like you said, Draymond Green is the glue, especially defensively, to keeping that team together, Steph Curry is the you know is the motor that that lets them go offensively. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson together are just devastating. And Dame Lillard, it's funny because Dame Lillard, they're like the the JV version, J, uh, Dollar Dame, your boy. They're, Does Dame score quite... fifty in one of the games in the series? Does he score fifty? Oh, I don't know if he scores 50, but uh, he'll certainly get a couple 35s out there. Okay. There'll be some high-scoring games, but I think Golden State sweeps. All right. Clippers, Jazz, uh, look, there's certain teams the Clippers played well against. They played pretty decent against the Spurs, and they played pretty good against the Jazz. And I think in this one, they're going to take care of the Jazz. Uh Jazz have talent. They just haven't, you know, Favors has been out most of the season. He's back. But uh, I'll say they win 4-2. Clippers beat the Jazz. You know, I'm so tempted to take the Jazz. But I'm going to say this Clipper team gives Doc Rivers one last hurrah. They need to put it together. They need this pretty badly. They can't lose in the first round. So I'll, I'll say the Clippers take care of business too. Maybe they go 4-3. I think the Jazz will give them a run for the money. I just think that in the game seven, the Clips, by virtue of being the four seed, will get that home court advantage. 
and they win a very close series. I like this mm-hmm. Jazz team for years to come if they can yeah. keep it together. Listen, they just fired uh, Hennigan in Orlando. Maybe uh, your boy Doc goes down back home to Orlando and says, hey, I'm taking uh, Griffin and Rivers with me. We'll trade. You send us over Aaron Gordon, your first-round pick, and, you know, uh, Alfred Payton or somebody. And um, maybe Doc goes down to the Orlando Magic. Watch out for that. could happen. So the Rockets, number three, against number six, OKC. This is the MVP battle. This is going to be a war. All games, look, they won 3-1 in the series during the season, but the games were all decided by like three points or less or under five points. So we know the Rockets are better. But if they go through a cold streak with shooting all those threes and you can't always get all those threes in the playoffs, and the one thing OKC is, is a pretty decent defensive team. They've got some size. They've got some length. Roberson, uh, Harden's got his lowest scoring stats against uh, Andre Robertson this year. I think only averaging 21 or 24 games. So don't sleep. I'll say this. Rockets win but it's in seven games, 4-3. So I like where your head is on this one. Even though Oklahoma City keeps losing to the Rockets, you're right. Playoff basketball is so different, and that's why I think the Rockets, Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, that system won't win you a championship. It'll win you playoff games in the first round. It might even get you to the second round, but you're not winning championships like this. It'll certainly get you regular season wins, maybe some MVPs along the way. Steve Nash is too, but the game slows down. It's all about defense. It's all about half-court execution. It's all about making things happen. Now, I think they're good enough to do that against the Thunder because the Thunder have nobody that they can go to once the ball is out of Russell Westbrook's hands. I don't think Victor Oladipo is the he's not ready yet. Robin. Love him, but he's not no, ready. He's not ready. He's he's a he's a third option. So until they get that second option, I think they're one and done. But this will be harder than you think. A third seed, a third seed should have, especially with uh, you know Harden and and that prolific offense. So I'm going to go also. I'll say four two, but I'll say there'll be tough games. There'll be six tough games. Okay, and then number two, Spurs against the Grizzlies. Look, the Grizzlies got them a couple of years back, and we know this is a tough series. You got the Gazal brothers playing against each other for the first time in God knows how long. Um, it's fascinating. The problem is Chandler Parsons has been hurt, disappointing this season. Vince Carter's 40, and Tony Allen's banged up. So – as much as Conley might be able to take advantage of an older Tony Parker, you know, they're, they're, they're just going to be able to do other things. And Kawhi will, you know, eventually be on Conley if it's too much. I just think Memphis is a player or two short of shocking people and pulling an upset. But Gasol and, and Zebo off the bench and, and Conley, they're going to get – Oh, I want to say two games, but I think it will just be one. But like you said, but the other series, every game, Spurs in five. Yeah, it's also Spurs in six. Memphis, especially at the grindhouse, is going to be tough. This is a 
bad matchup for San Antonio. Like you said, the Grizzlies aren't healthy and they aren't where they should be. Otherwise, this could go seven. San Antonio is another one of those teams where they sometimes play down to their competition in the playoffs. Uh, in the regular season, they might blow you out, but this is going to be a, a slow grind them out game. Now, San Antonio might blow them out a couple games, but the games that are close are going to be really close, right? So San Antonio is the type of team that could win 130 to, you know, 104, and then the next game could, could beat you, you know, 93-92. So I think they will have to work, and it'll be a tough series. I think they win in either five or six, but I'll say six. I'll give Memphis some credit here because they just have San Antonio's number for some reason. Sounds good. We'll, uh, you know, we'll get back to it, and, uh, you know, we'll be trying to get ready for the NFL draft soon. We'll talk playoffs, baseball, you know, the Mets, extra innings. Cespedes is killing it. The Yankees are looking great. So there's a lot, a lot to talk about. And um, everybody have a great holiday weekend. Enjoy your past. Uh, well, I hope you had a great Passover. Enjoy your Easter. And uh, just enjoy the warm weather. And it's NBA playoffs, baby. It is here. Playoffs? And it's time to enjoy it. And we got a lot of NFL draft stuff to talk about coming in the next week or two. The draft starts the 27th. We'll, we'll do our quarterback matchup like we do. We place the top eight quarterbacks and put them on teams. We'll give you our mock draft the night before, everything. So stay tuned with Ray and Tay because we got you covered. Thanks for listening. We're out. Great sports weekend. <laughs>